Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. A number of fascinating things have been taking place as of late (laughs) pertaining to the presidential race 2020, and so involving that Trump-Russia investigation. And as of yet, I still don't see evidence, compelling evidence, that should cause me to believe otherwise than I have believed uh, since before the investigation began. But nonetheless... It will be prolonged, it will be protracted, it will continue on through the general election and beyond. Of that, you can rest assured. Meanwhile, more momentously, in the Taiwan Straits, Bloody red communist China, the communist Chinese regime, most favored nation, China. And that term, that title, that name that was conferred upon communist China speaks volumes, (laughs) more than volumes. It's like, you know, the veritable Picture being worth a thousand words. Well, that title is worth volumes and volumes and volumes. But its core essence is this. Is that communist China, dating back to dear old Richard Milhouse Nixon, puppet for Dr. Henry Kissinger, initially his national security advisor, and then his secretary of state, who pulled the strings and schmoozed the commander-in-chief into doing whatever he chose to do, whatever his evil will was. But, yes, the great crafter-in-chief of detente, Henry Kissinger, He caused the United States of America to relegate free China, Taiwan, to the status of an exile, an exile not just from mainland China, but an exile of the world. (laughs) And so Taiwan was dismissed And dismissed from, oh, little things like the Security Council of the United Nations, for one, and replaced, supplanted by communist China to team up with communist Soviet Union against the United States of America. What a coup by Dr. K in the interest of world peace. Give him another Nobel Peace Prize, please. But. The United States of America has, in essence, not recognized Taiwan since then. 
that wonderful peace with honor <laughs> in which we confirmed the validity of communist regimes to enslave all of Vietnam, even as they had attempted to and have continued to attempt to enslave all of Korea. But Taiwan has been, in essence, fighting for its life ever since the Chinese government, free government, fled to Taiwan. But currently, communist China is engaging in war games around Taiwan, not only in the Taiwan Straits, but certainly in the Taiwan Straits. They have dispatched their naval forces, their air forces. They have filled areas within the Taiwan Straits with their ships, their submarines. They have bombers overhead, as well as reconnaissance aircraft and, of course, fighter bombers and what have you cruising around the island of Taiwan. Yes, and that has been taking place this week, immediately preceding what is referred to as Easter, Resurrection Sunday, which this year is actually less far from an accurate (laughs) uh, designation uh, or date than usual. But lest I digress. I mentioned some programs ago that if, at least in the view of experts, if China were going to launch an invasion of Taiwan, they would be signaling that oh, a couple months ago because it would have to take place in April or October due to the conditions in the Taiwan Strait. That supposedly those are the only two times of the year, the only two months of the year, in which an invasion of Taiwan could be launched through the Taiwan Straits. Well, we will see if that actually turns out to be the case. But meanwhile, communist China... It has not limited itself to this provocative maneuvering around Taiwan. No, 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 no. There is a Chinese company. uh, The title is Leica, L-E-I-C-A. And they have had an advertisement. I don't don't know what they were thinking, but it is a, a video, and it actually showed a freeze frame segment going back to the Tiananmen Square Massacre. Remarkable. Yes, that took place back in Beijing. Oh, that wonderful city, you know, where the Summer Olympics was and so forth. Beijing, (laughs) capital, back in 1980, 
nine. A few years ago, 30 years ago, there was considerable protesting by students principally. Predominantly, these protests were comprised of students. And these were pro-democracy protesters. And the Chinese military slaughtered them. What do you expect from dear old communist China? Which at that time, understand, this was 1989. Communist China had been most favored nation, China, for how long at that time? Ooh, you, you tell me, you know, 15, 16 years, you know, it was capitalist, of course, capitalist China, only interested in peace and prosperity, not the terrible, evil China of the so-called cultural revolution. No, 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 no. This was progressive communist China that slaughtered these college students and one incredibly courageous young man who would be known thereafter as Tank Man. He took up a position in front of a column of rolling tanks. And he brought them to a halt. And then he climbed up onto the lead tank in order to speak to the driver. Well, he was removed from there and has never been heard from again, shockingly enough. I know that undoubtedly comes as quite a surprise, quite a shock. But anyway, this company, Leica, again, in an advertisement, a commercial advertisement, happened to show this freeze-frame image absolutely mind-boggling that they would because communist China, the regime, has done everything in its power to completely, utterly, totally censor everything pertaining to (laughs) those protests and the bloodbath that they inflicted upon these young people. Just amazing. But anyway, so now, of course, there are some orchestrated, in my view, orchestrated protests against this, you know, this unconscionable act by this company to show something like that. But the beauty of it is, is that, again, it demonstrates the reality of the communist regime. And... This communist regime, which manages to keep this sanitation program, sanitizing, preventing all word and all imagery of the Tiananmen Square massacre away from the masses. You know, making it an urban legend, relegating it to that status. Well, here a while back... I think it was 2017, yes, two years ago, uh, there was 
a little matter about Facebook. You have heard of Facebook. (laughs) The social media giant, which has had a tough time managing to make a buck in China. That's right. They've been blocked by the communist Chinese regime since 2009. Why is that? Is it because Facebook is so righteous and God-fearing and honorable and noble and truth-telling? No. (laughs) But it's just, you know, communist China needs to be able to completely control, command and control and muzzle the Internet in communist China. And Facebook just is a very obvious problem for them relative to that. So they have blocked Facebook. Well, dear old Facebook, (laughs) this young man in Hong Kong who is an activist, (laughs) namely trying to cause people to remember Tiananmen Square and what this communist regime of China really is, He attempted to have a profile photo for his Facebook page, including verbiage, text, commemorating this monstrous evil violence committed by communist China against these pro-democracy students. And Facebook blocked it. Facebook did not permit him to use that as a profile photo. Dear old Facebook, yes. Well, anyway, they finally got around to uh, apologizing for that. Back here two years ago, they got around to apologizing for that for blocking Feng Ka Kyung's profile picture. (laughs) Uh, But again, this is not about Facebook, but about communist China, wonderful communist China. Meanwhile, in the United States of America, at the winter White House of President Trump, I'm sure you have heard or seen mention about these little incident with this Chinese woman, Chinese national woman, who was attempting to get into a very sensitive area of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago, Florida exclusive resort. And she had in her possession various electronic devices. Little things, she had a laptop, an external hard drive, a thumb drive containing malicious malware, and four cell phones. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Black Hat. I think that's the title of it, Black Hat. And uh, anyway, it it reminded me of that when when I saw what this woman was carrying. And she played dumb when she was finally caught. She managed to actually get past a couple checkpoints manned by U.S. Secret Service agents, manned or womaned by U.S. Secret Service agents, 
But lo and behold, a receptionist caught up with her and got her arrested by the Secret Service. And this woman, she played dumb. They interrogated her. She pretended she did not know English. She needed an interpreter. And it turned out that she actually, she, uh, she showed inadvertently, despite her intellect, she gave witness to the fact that she was fluent in English, in fact, by, by what she did. It was rather, rather funny. But uh, in any case, she's being held last I saw, and uh, she'll undoubtedly be released and what have you. But yes, being held not for, not for spying, but for, you know, trying to gain access to an area that she was not entitled to and so on and so forth. But a woman who used to work for the CIA, yes, the benevolent, beneficent, peace-loving Central Intelligence Agency, a woman who gained her expertise while with the CIA, she made an assessment of the security of the Mar-a-Lago resort of Donald Trump. Former CIA officer Lisa Ruth, no relation to Babe Ruth, as George Herman Ruth, as far as I know, but she said, quote, this looks very much like a Chinese espionage intelligence operation. End quote. Gasp! Not that. (laughs) I've mentioned before, but I will mention again, that some years ago, and it's been years now, some years ago, I read mention of an, an estimation, an approximation of how many spies communist China had operating in the United States of America. Not outside of the United States of America, you know, in Guam and Okinawa and places such as this, but within the territorial United States of America. And the figure was upwards of 200,000. Upwards of 200,000 spies. But anyway, Lady Ruth, not Baby Ruth, Lady Ruth, she said that there is a gaping hole for foreign intelligence services a.k.a. spies, at this Mar-a-Lago resort. And went on to say that while Trump is obviously the numero uno target of spying there, that there are many other people who have access to information or intelligence that would be of interest to these foreign regimes, including, I mean, people, even just lowly seasonal employees who are not cleared. They have no kind of security clearance whatsoever as White House employees, (laughs) and they can easily be recruited and can provide all manner of helpful information. Yes. Uh, 
And they don't have to pay the $200,000 initiation fee for access to Mar-a-Lago Resort. They're just there. Interestingly enough, this woman that was arrested, she is also tied to or former owner or whatever of a massage parlor that was referenced in this sting operation down there in Florida. But (laughs) anyway, the president, he said, it's all good. It's in good shape. There's no security problem, no security concern. Quote, no, I'm not concerned at all. I have, we have very good control, obviously. And End quote. Yes, our president, Monsignor Donald Trump, said that. So this woman, Yujing Zhang, perhaps we will be seeing something more concerning her in the not-distant future. Meanwhile, another one of our most favored nations, Putin's Russian regime. I thought it was rather interesting, this little blurb that I saw concerning a defense ministry base of the Putin regime in southern Russia that, (laughs) in the guise of conducting a children's vacation camp there, (laughs) that they actually uh, were training operatives for insertion into Syria. (laughs) But anyway, no, Russia wouldn't do things like that. Russia only wants peace and prosperity for all, as communist China does, and so on and so forth. Meanwhile, speaking of security concerns, the president's son-in-law. I'm sure you have heard tell or seen or whatever about his security clearance issues, and and this goes back some period of time. But this woman who has worked within the White House apparatus for a while now, uh, for 18 years, she has testified that there have been serious irregularities with the whole security clearance process. Yes, I know it's shocking. It shocked me. I'm sure it shocked you. But uh, this woman, she, you know, you, you know that term about uh, good things come in small packages. Well, I don't know if she's a good thing, but she is definitely a small package. This woman who has suffered from a form of dwarfism, and she has been, I don't know, just kind of (laughs) has suffered being browbeaten, it seems like, uh, by higher-ups into going along, going along to get along. Tricia Newbold. Well, she has testified now before Congress, and uh, she stated that there were 25 individuals in particular who 
seemingly would not have merited top clearances. But the professionals who gave their opinions concerning the fitness of these people to receive these security clearances, and of course, highest security clearance for Jared Kushner, they were overruled. (laughs) Now, this is not something unheard of with White House staffs. No matter what you may think to the contrary because of what CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, what they all say, PBS say, you would perhaps come to believe that this is something absolutely unheard of and unprecedented. Not so. But still, (laughs) it is something. And so these 25 people that have been given these clearances, these high security clearances, to access information that (laughs) constitutes very sensitive national security data, or data, if you prefer. Uh, It seems just a little bit troubling because, for instance, she said, Mrs. Newbold said, that the concerns that were raised, the objections that were raised to granting these security clearances to these individuals, they pertained to matters such as ties to foreign to pardon me to foreign influence ties to foreign influence ties to foreign nations foreign regimes right also conflicts of interest also questionable or drum roll please criminal conduct in their backgrounds, financial problems, and drug abuse. Yes, (laughs) amongst these 25 individuals, there were all manner of serious issues, things which could be exploited and manipulated by foreign powers that were interested in obtaining the most highly sensitive national security information of the United States of America. Well, she stated the following, quote, I would not be doing a service to myself, my country, or my children if I sat back knowing that the issues that we have could impact our national security, end quote. Well, this lady, it's very interesting, I think, as far as what transpired relative to her. For instance, she stated that she received retaliation internally after she brought up her concerns about this clearance, security clearance process. And she stated that 
her boss, moved clearance-related files to a shelf beyond her reach. Now, I know that that just sounds kind of like, okay, well, so what? That was probably unintentional, right? (laughs) Except, and of course, she could get them down. She could just ask somebody to get them down, right? Well, again, she has a rare form of dwarfism. And these files were able to be moved out of her reach, beyond her ability to obtain them. Rest assured, it was not accidental. But this House Oversight Committee, they heard her testimony, and uh, personally, I found it to be rather compelling. But before I go further, let me just say, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever's right and true and good and accurate in this program, whatever's worthwhile is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient is due to me. But speaking of the national security, perhaps you saw this various different reports concerning a Joshua Yabut, who's a United States Army National Guard officer, an officer. (laughs) And this fellow, this officer in the National Guard, he hijacked a personnel carrier, an armored personnel carrier that is a tank-like vehicle. He hijacked it from a National Guard base in Virginia, and he proceeded with a two-hour chase through Virginia before he was finally cornered and stopped and removed. Well, this fellow, he was being supposedly held under house arrest. He had an ankle monitor on him. But it didn't stop him from leaving the United States of America. No. No, not at all. He used his military ID to board a plane at Norfolk, Virginia, naval base, naval station the Naval Air Station there. He flew to the Naval Air Station in Jacksonville, Florida. He then took a commercial flight and it said to Charlotte, I'm sure it's Charlotte, North Carolina, but anyway, he then flew to Toronto and to Iceland, and then he made a connection, a connecting flight to Istanbul, Turkey. All of this to manage to make it to Iraq. He wound up in Iraq on January 26th. Then he flew back to Norfolk a couple days later. 
So what was this? This was another joyride, right? First, you have the joyride in the armed personnel carrier. And now, a <laughs> joyride, if you will, to Iraq and back. He removed his ankle monitor during the trip. And (laughs) what was he doing on this wonderful trip? Well, court documents stated investigators discovered photos revealing that Yabut had been looking into prices of obtaining denatonium benzoate and having it shipped to him from communist China. He posted pictures on Twitter showing himself being in Iraq. And his Twitter page featured postings and information related to open-source jihad and al-Qaeda, including links to magazine articles which detailed how to make pressure cooker bombs and how to construct train derailment devices. The first I heard of these pressure cooker bombs was the Islamist terrorist attack at the Boston Marathon a number of years ago that were used to monstrous effect. But this first lieutenant, yes, one of our best and brightest, no doubt, one of our bravest and, uh, yes, Involved with Islam, involved in seeking to commit terrorist attacks, but he's able to leave the country while he has an ankle monitor on him. You know, after just it says something about the state of our military. And furthermore, with regard to again our new and improved, outstanding military, perhaps you saw word of this one woman. Cecilia Valdovinos, an army veteran who converted to Islam in 2016, and now she plans to sue the army due to some individuals not being totally comfortable with and uh, respectful, sufficiently respectful of her Islamist hijab headdress that she's been wearing, which, interestingly enough, she's been covering the fact that her hair is not military regulation length and so on and so forth. But, again, American woman converting to Islam. And (laughs) one statement that she made, I just thought it was precious, so let me... Quoted here, quote, I don't trust anybody in the military, 
end quote. That's from her. That's from, yes, Valdivinos. So let me just repeat that. Quote, I don't trust anybody in the military. End quote. In the U.S. military. (laughs) Uh, But who does she trust? Uh, Well, again, she converted to Islam in 2016. Reminds me of John Brennan, former CIA director. Yes, outstanding. She doesn't trust anybody in the United States military, but she is supposed to receive this deferential treatment. Everyone's supposed to trust her, right? Excellent. Yes, well, again, this is our modern, improved military. Meanwhile, speaking of Islam, that wonderful peace-loving religion, which is actually a combination of religion, political ideology, all rolled into one, and at its core is hatred of Christianity and Jewry and passionate bloodlust to annihilate Christians and Jews, and to abolish Christianity and Jewry. And it serves its false god, Satan, who goes by the name of Allah. But I've mentioned before, when I speak of UK, United Kingdom, I think in terms of England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland. I I really think of that being the essence of the United Kingdom. And, but I also interchangeably, I will mention the British Commonwealth. And the British Commonwealth is comprised of a great many more nations than that. Former colonies of Britain, so forth. But uh, here in one of them, in Brunei. Some people are concerned because the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-wise Sultan Hassanai Bokaya, dictator of Brunei, uh, he has instituted new Sharia laws, which, again, our woman in the U.S. military, Cecilia Valdovinos, would have no problem with, okay? No problem with these great laws. But uh, the big concern expressed by the Brits concerning this are pertaining to Prohibition and punishment, capital punishment, of sodomites engaging in sodomy. And also, capital punishment of adultery. And it's been stated that it's a, you know, a terrible step backward to adopt these particular laws. I thought it... It was just a wee bit interesting, appalling actually, but I'll say interesting, to find that 
there wasn't the outrage concerning capital punishment of those (laughs) who purportedly, supposedly insult the false prophet Muhammad. Yes, capital punishment, execution for those who various individuals there claim have insulted the false prophet, the evil prophet, the monstrous destroyer, Muhammad, some way or other, not being sufficiently worshipful of Muhammad. (laughs) That therefore they can be put to death. Whether they are Muslims or non-Muslims. Well, but there wasn't the outrage over that. But the outrage was limited to, contained to the matter of sodomites being perchance executed uh, in the future. But there is a British installation in Brunei. Yes, I thought that was interesting that Britain is still there. It's like the United States of America at Gitmo in Cuba, right? Guantanamo Bay. Well, here Britain has a military base there. But they have received assurances that there will not be issues for their personnel, their British soldiers, and their families, and so forth. That there are there is work going on at present to provide safeguards for the Brits <laughs> so that they will be immune from these new draconian Sharia, Sharia laws. Well, something else caught my eye, and it was this, is that of the 53 member nations of the British Commonwealth, 30 of the 53 still have the death penalty in their statutes. Shocking. The reason it's so shocking is because, of course, Britain doesn't believe in execution for anything. It doesn't matter how extreme, how monstrous, how horrendous, nothing deserves capital punishment. (laughs) But 30 of these dark, you know, unenlightened, ignorant Commonwealth members, states, (laughs) still have the death penalty, and 35 of them view it as a crime for individuals to commit sodomy, meaning men with men, women with women. But, oh well, we've come such a long way, you know, 
such a long way, and that was just, oh, those shameful, disgraceful times back then. The only really, utterly, totally, horrendously bad thing within this, (laughs) within the list of capital offenses that was shown was the matter of capital punishment execution. You know, if you didn't pay obeisance to the false prophet Muhammad, so forth. But, oh well. Perhaps you saw word about this young woman, beautiful young woman, 19 years of age, in Bangladesh, who was murdered by various classmates of hers at an Islamic school. Yes, at a madrasa. She had gone to the authorities, not at the school, had gone to the police to complain about, to make charges concerning being sexually pressured by the headmaster. And she went back to this school. Her brother took her back to this school in order for her to sit for her finals exams, but they wouldn't allow her brother in, even though there are males there at the school. And she was lured up to a rooftop, and the ruse was that someone was being abused, And uh, when she got up there, a gang of students grabbed her and doused her with kerosene and lit her up, burned her to death. However, she did not die on the spot. Emergency personnel, police came, and she gave a description of what took place to the authorities and implicated various students. But in case you think this is just, you know, a once-in-a-blue-moon occasion or occurrence here in dear old Bangladesh, which borders India, no. In Islamic, Muslim, Islamist Bangladesh, this kind of evil is perpetrated regularly this kind of monstrous evil it's really too bad that this woman in the US military that she doesn't leave the United States of America and move to an enlightened place like Bangladesh where they will properly respect her hijab and what have you. A pity. I expect you may have seen word, seen coverage, heard about poor, poor Fatu bin Suda of Gambia being prevented from entering the United States of America. Who is this Fatu? 
Ben Suda, you may ask. Well, this is the prosecutor for the International Criminal Court. And back, oh, a year and a half ago, he sternly requested international criminal court judges to authorize an investigation into purported war crimes committed by United States troops in Afghanistan. Well, yes, he has been denied (laughs) entrance into the U.S. He has had his visa revoked thanks to that terrible, horrible National Security Advisor John Bolton. (laughs) Good going, John. But, oh my, yes, we, oh, we can look forward to the day when the United States of America will simply be part of the worldwide regime instead of an independent nation. And finally, let me share concerning the Notre Dame Cathedral burning, that monstrous Destruction to this beautiful, magnificent cathedral that has taken place this week. It has not been burned entirely. It has not been utterly destroyed, but it has been partially, severely burned and damaged. I think it's fascinating that even though the cause of the fire is unknown, It's stated by the investigators they do not know what caused the fire. They nonetheless have ruled out any possibility of arson or possible terror-related involvement. I just think that's fascinating that they rule out arson and such even though they don't know what caused it. They say, well, it was probably an accident. What if that accident wasn't accidental? (laughs) What if it was a fire started, which appears to be an accident, but in fact is deliberate? Oh, that could not happen. That could never happen. No, 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 no. Well, much from the cathedral was saved, fortunately in a 66-minute period of time. And meanwhile, billionaires have been, you know, lining up to be counted to provide hundreds of millions of dollars for the restoration of the cathedral. And the French president, Emmanuel What is his name? Macron. I keep wanting to say something else like Melanthon, but it's Macron, Emmanuel Macron. He has stated a, given a timeline of five years to rebuild it, which is viewed by many as impossible. He says, quote, this is probably part of the French destiny. Yes, end quote. Well, As things stand right now, the billionaires will receive tax breaks. All right. Terrible, shameful, disgraceful. How horrible is that? Yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, there are those who, who insist that that should not be the case. They should not receive any such thing. In fact, one candidate back in the 2017 presidential contest <laughs> campaign, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who, again, that's, I guess where I get the name, he proposed a 100% tax on income above $425,000. Yeah, uh, that would be good. But uh, anyway, lo and behold, yes, money could be spent on many other things instead of on this cathedral. But guess what? 12 million people go to this cathedral every year. It's the most visited monument in the country. So isn't it possible that it might just possibly be good for tourism, for France? Might pay some dividends, some benefits? Who knows? I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.